section twenty one of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nineteen by this good light a wench of matchless metal this were a leaguer lass to love a soldier to bind his wounds and kiss his bloody brow and sing a roundel as she helped to arm him though the rough foeman's drums were beat so nigh they seemed to bear the burden old play when mistress margaret entered the fold jam apartment she found the inmates employed in their usual manner the lady in reading and her attendant in embroidering a large piece of tapestry which had occupied her ever since margaret had been first admitted within these secluded chambers hermione nodded kindly to her visitor but did not speak and margaret accustomed to this reception and in the present case not sorry for it as it gave her an interval to collect her thoughts stooped over monopola's frame and observed in a half-whisper you are just so far as that rose mona when i first saw you see there is the mark where i had the bad luck to spoil the flower in trying to catch the stitch i was little above fifteen then these flowers make me an old woman monopola i wish they could make you a wise one my child answered monopola in whose esteem pretty mistress margaret did not stand quite so high as in that of her patroness partly owing to her natural austerity which was something intolerant of youth and gaiety and partly to the jealousy with which a favourite domestic regards any one whom she considers as a sort of rival in the affections of her mistress what is it you say to mana little one asked the lady nothing madam replied mistress margaret but that i have seen the real flowers blossom three times over since i first saw mana paula working in her canvas garden and her violets have not budded yet true lady bird replied hermione but the buds that are longest in blossoming will last the longest in flower you have seen them in the garden bloom thrice but you have seen them fade thrice also namanapala's will remain in blow for ever they will fear neither frost nor tempest true madam answered mistress margaret but neither have they life or order that little one replied the recluse is to compare a life agitated by hope and fear and chequered with success and disappointment and fevered by the effects of love and hatred a life of passion and of feeling saddened and shortened by its exhausting alternations to a calm and tranquil existence animated but by a sense of duties and only employed during its smooth and quiet course in the unwearied discharge of them is that the moral of your answer i do not know madam answered mistress margaret but of all birds in the air i would rather be the lark that sings while he is drifting down the summer breeze than the weathercock that sticks fast yonder upon his iron perch and just moves so much as to discharge his duty and tells us which way the wind blows metaphors are no arguments my pretty maiden said the lady hermione smiling i am sorry for that madam answered margaret for they are such a pretty indirect way of telling one's mind when it differs from one's betters besides on this subject there is no end of them and they are so civil and becoming withal indeed replied the lady let me hear some of them i pray you it would be for example very bold in me said margaret to say to your ladyship that rather than live a quiet life i would like a little variety of hope and fear 
and liking and disliking and 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 the other sort of feelings which your ladyship is pleased to speak of but i may say freely and without blame that i like a butterfly better than a beetle or a trembling aspen better than a grim scots fir that never wags a leaf or that of all the wood brass and wire that ever my father's fingers put together i do hate and detest a certain huge old clock of the german fashion that rings hours and half hours and quarters and half quarters as if it were of such consequence that the world should know it was bound up and going now dearest lady i wish you would only compare that clumsy clanging dutch-looking piece of lumber with the beautiful timepiece that master harriet caused my father to make for your ladyship which uses to play a hundred merry tunes and turns out when it strikes the hour a whole band of morris dancers to trip the haze to the measure and which of these timepieces goes the truest margaret said the lady i must confess the old dutchman has the advantage in that said margaret i fancy you are right madam and that comparisons are no arguments at least mine has not brought me through upon my word maiden margaret said the lady smiling you have been of late thinking very much of these matters perhaps too much madam said margaret so low as only to be heard by the lady behind the back of whose chair she had now placed herself the words were spoken very gravely and accompanied by a half sigh which did not escape the attention of her to whom they were addressed the lady hermione turned immediately round and looked earnestly at margaret then paused for a moment and finally commanded monopola to carry her frame and embroidery into the antechamber when they were left alone she desired her young friend to come from behind the chair in the back of which she still rested and sit down beside her upon a stool i will remain thus madam under your favour answered margaret without changing her posture i would rather you heard me without seeing me in god's name maiden returned her patroness what is it you can have to say that may not be uttered face to face to so true a friend as i am without making any direct answer margaret only replied you were right dearest lady when you said i had suffered my feelings too much to engross me of late i have done very wrong and you will be angry with me so will my godfather but i cannot help it he must be rescued he repeated the lady with emphasis that brief little word does indeed so far explain your mystery but come from behind the chair you silly popinjay i will wager you have suffered yonder gay young apprentice to sit too near your heart i have not heard you mention young vincent for many a day perhaps he has not been out of mouth and out of mind both have you been so foolish as to let him speak to you seriously i am told he is a bold youth not bold enough to say anything that could displease me madam said margaret perhaps then you were not displeased said the lady or perhaps he has not spoken which would be wiser and better be open-hearted my love your godfather will soon return and we will take him into our consultations if the young man is industrious and come of honest parentage his poverty may be no such insurmountable obstacle but you are both of you very young margaret i know your godfather will expect that the youth shall first serve out his apprenticeship margaret had hitherto suffered the lady to proceed under the mistaken impression which she had adopted simply because she could not tell how to interrupt her but pure despite at hearing her last words gave her boldness at length to say i crave your pardon madam but neither the youth you mention nor any apprentice or master within the city of london margaret said the lady in reply the contemptuous tone with which you mention those of your own class many hundreds if not thousands of whom are in all respects better than yourself and would greatly honour you by thinking of you is methinks no warrant for the wisdom of your choice for a choice it seems there is who is it maiden to whom you have thus rashly attached yourself rashly i fear it must be 
it is the young scottish lord glenvarlock madam answered margaret in a low and modest tone but sufficiently firm considering the subject the young lord of glenvarlock repeated the lady in great surprise maiden you are distracted in your wits i knew you would say so madam answered margaret it is what another person has already told me it is perhaps what all the world would tell me it is what i am sometimes disposed to tell myself but look at me madam for i will now come before you and tell me if there is madness or distraction in my look and word when i repeat to you again that i have fixed my affections on this young nobleman if there is not madness in your look or word maiden there is infinite folly in what you say answered the lady hermione sharply when did you ever hear that misplaced love brought anything but wretchedness seek a match among your equals margaret and escape the countless kinds of risks and misery that must attend an affection beyond your degree why do you smile maiden is there aught to cause scorn in what i say surely no madam answered margaret i only smiled to think how it should happen that while rank made such a wide difference between creatures formed from the same clay the wit of the vulgar should nevertheless jump so exactly the same length with that of the accomplished and the exalted it is but the variation of the phrase which divides them dame mersley told me the very same thing which your ladyship has but now uttered only you madam talked countless misery and dame ursley spoke of the gallows and mistress turner who was hanged upon it indeed answered the lady hermione and who may dame ursley be that your wise choice has associated with me in the difficult task of advising a fool the barber's wife at next door madam answered margaret with feigned simplicity but far from being sorry at heart that she had found an indirect mode of mortifying her monitress she is the wisest woman that i know next to your ladyship a proper confidant said the lady and chosen with the same delicate sense of what is due to yourself and others but what ails you maiden where are you going only to ask dame ursley's advice said margaret as if about to depart for i see your ladyship is too angry to give me any and the emergency is pressing what emergency thou simple one said the lady in a kinder tone sit down maiden and tell me your tale it is true you are a fool and a pettish fool to boot but then you are a child an amiable child with all your self-willed folly and we must help you if we can sit down i say as you are desired and you will find me a safer and wiser counsellor than the barber woman and tell me how you come to suppose that you have fixed your heart unalterably upon a man whom you have seen as i think but once i have seen him oftener said the damsel looking down but i have only spoken to him once i should have been able to get that once out of my head though the impression was so deep that i could even now repeat every trifling word he said but other things have since riveted it in my bosom for ever maiden replied the lady for ever is the word which comes most lightly on the lips in such circumstances but which not the less is almost the last that we should use the fashion of this world its passions its joys and its sorrows pass away like the winged breeze there is naught for ever but that which belongs to the world beyond the grave you have corrected me justly madam said margaret calmly i ought only to have spoken of my present state of mind as what will last me for my lifetime which unquestionably may be but short and what is there in this scottish lord that can rivet what concerns him so closely in your fancy said the lady i admit him a personable man for i have seen him and i will suppose him courteous and agreeable but what are his accomplishments besides for these surely are not uncommon attributes he is unfortunate madam most unfortunate and surrounded by snares of different kinds ingeniously contrived to ruin his character to destroy his estate and perhaps to reach 
even his life these schemes have been devised by avarice originally but they are now followed close by vindictive ambition animated i think by the absolute and concentrated spirit of malice for the lord dalgarno here monopola monopola exclaimed the lady hermione interrupting her young friend's narrative she hears me not she answered rising and going out i must seek her i will return instantly she returned accordingly very soon after you mentioned a name which i thought was familiar to me she said but monopola has put me right i know nothing of your lord how was it you named him lord dalgarno said margaret the wickedest man who lives under pretence of friendship he introduced the lord glenvarlock to a gambling-house with the purpose of engaging him in deep play but he with whom the perfidious traitor had to deal was too virtuous moderate and cautious to be caught in the snare so open what did they next but turn his own moderation against him and persuade others that because he would not become the prey of wolves he herded with them for a share of their booty and while this base lord dalgarno was thus undermining his unsuspecting countrymen he took every measure to keep him surrounded by creatures of his own to prevent him from attending court and mixing with those of his proper rank since the gunpowder treason there never was a conspiracy more deeply laid more basely and more deliberately pursued the lady smiled sadly at margaret's vehemence but sighed the next moment while she told her young friend how little she knew the world she was about to live in since she testified so much surprised at finding it full of villainy but by what means she added could you maiden become possessed of the secret views of a man so cautious as lord dalgarno as villains in general are permit me to be silent on that subject said the maiden i could not tell you without betraying others let it suffice that my tidings are as certain as the means by which i acquired them are secret and sure but i must not tell them even to you you are too bold margaret said the lady to traffic in such matters at your early age it is not only dangerous but even unbecoming and unmaidenly i knew you would say that also said margaret with more meekness and patience than she usually showed in receiving reproof but god knows my heart acquits me of every other feeling save that of the wish to assist this most innocent and betrayed man i contrived to send him warning of his friend's falsehood alas my care has only hastened his utter ruin unless speedy aid be found he charged his false friend with treachery and drew him on in the park and is now liable to the fatal penalty due for breach of privilege of the king's palace this is indeed an extraordinary tale said hermione is lord glenvar locke then in prison no madam thank god but in the sanctuary at whitefriars it is a matter of doubt whether it will protect him in such a case they speak of a warrant from the lord chief justice a gentleman of the temple has been arrested and is in trouble for having assisted him in his flight even his taking temporary refuge in that base place though from extreme necessity will be used to the further defaming him all this i know and yet i cannot rescue him cannot rescue him save by your means by my means maiden said the lady you are beside yourself what means can i possess in this secluded situation of assisting this unfortunate nobleman you have means said margaret eagerly you have those means unless i mistake greatly which can do anything can do everything in this city in this world you have wealth and the command of a small portion of it will enable me to extricate him from his present danger he will be enabled and directed how to make his escape and i she paused will accompany him doubtless and reap the fruits of your sage exertions in his behalf said the lady hermione ironically may heaven forgive you the unjust thought lady answered margaret i will never see him more but i shall have saved him and the thought will make me happy 
a cold conclusion to so bold and warm a flame said the lady with a smile which seemed to intimate incredulity it is however the only one which i expect madam i could almost say the only one which i wish i am sure i will use no efforts to bring about any other if i am bold in his cause i am timorous enough in my own during our only interview i was unable to speak a word to him he knows not the sound of my voice and all that i have risked and must yet risk i am doing for one who were he asked the question would say he has long since forgotten that he ever saw spoke to or sat beside a creature of so little signification as i am this is a strange and unreasonable indulgence of a passion equally fanciful and dangerous said lady hermione you will not assist me then said margaret have good day then madam my secret i trust is safe in such honourable keeping tarry yet a little said the lady and tell me what resource you have to assist this youth if you were supplied with money to put it in motion it is superfluous to ask me the question madam answered margaret unless you propose to assist me and if you do so propose it is still superfluous you could not understand the means i must use and time is too brief to explain but have you in reality such means said the lady i have with the command of a moderate sum answered margaret ramsay the power of baffling all his enemies of eluding the passion of the irritated king the colder but more determined displeasure of the prince the vindictive spirit of buckingham so hastily directed against whomsoever crosses the path of his ambition the cold concentrated malice of lord dalgarno all i can baffle them all but is this to be done without your own personal risk margaret replied the lady for be your purpose what it will you are not to peril your own reputation or person in the romantic attempt of serving another and i maiden am answerable to your godfather to your benefactor and my own not to aid you in any dangerous or unworthy enterprise depend upon my word my oath dearest lady replied the supplicant that i will act by the agency of others and do not myself design to mingle in any enterprise in which my appearance might be either perilous or unwomanly i know not what to do said the lady hermione it is perhaps incautious and inconsiderate in me to aid so wild a project yet the end seems honourable if the means be sure what is the penalty if he fall into their power alas alas the loss of his right hand replied margaret her voice almost stifled with sobs are the laws of england so cruel then there is mercy in heaven alone said the lady since even in this free land men are wolves to each other compose yourself margaret and tell me what money is necessary to secure lord glenvar locke's escape two hundred pieces replied margaret i would speak to you of restoring them and i must one day have the power only that i know that is i think your ladyship is indifferent on that score not a word more of it said the lady call monopola hither End of chapter nineteen